Hey guys, welcome back. Welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm Charisma O'Keefe. I'm Angelica Yard, and we are a lifestyle business podcast. We've talked a little bit more about lifestyle because life has been rough. a lot. <laughs> yeah, the style of life has been rough. It's been um, rough being a human being in 2020. It sure has. It's been crazy. Um, I I just I have no words. Um, but yeah, we have some great episodes recently where we've kind of dived into everything that's going on, especially, especially stuff uh, specifically uh, for the black community and allies of the black community. So definitely make sure that you're listening to those episodes. I know that they're helping a lot of people kind of like sort through everything and make sense of everything. So definitely listen to those. Also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you can reach out to us. Twitter, we are Heart Hustle Pod. Instagram and Facebook, we are Heart and Hustle Podcast. And then use the hashtag Boss So Hard to show us what you are up to. We're now on the internet like more than ever, I feel like. So it's nice to get over like be able to connect with you guys and like we see you and hear you and talk to you and get like we're when you dm us even just because like we get to like talk to you a little bit more personally so yeah we love hearing from you guys that's definitely been a highlight of all of this terribleness also in terms of like thanking people who we get to talk to um madeline clark who is at the underscore mad show uh, madge underscore show on instagram uh she like sent us a little donation and we appreciate it so much yes Uh, so much (laughs) Sorry, that's the podcast in. Um, I'm so like we're so appreciative of anybody who decides to donate. If you're interested in doing so, you just go to our SoundCloud link that is on our website. It will take you to our profile page, and there is like a little donate button. We are taking this money and we're funding the show specifically only with that right now. And then if it gets larger, of course, we'll find nonprofits that we want to donate and causes that we want to do in ways that we can help continue to grow the show. So. We appreciate you for taking that time out. And we're always going to shout you guys out as as long as we can. I mean, unless it becomes like 10 minutes of names and we're going to have to figure something else out. But <laughs> thank you guys for just being so awesome and active in the DMs on Instagram. It's so funny because that little extra box that Instagram has, it's yeah. like sometimes we always catch you, but we try to. Like we're, we're trying to get to you guys. I promise. Yeah, it's been a lot to keep up with messages because I feel like all black people are getting more messages than ever lately um, because a lot of people are either asking us questions or they are apologizing to us or they are just letting us know that they're there. Um, And like a lot of these are not like things that you can just like answer easily and quickly. Like if somebody like says like, I see you, I hear you. Like I acknowledge, you know, this and blah, blah, blah. You're like, you need like a second to like look at that and like think and then respond. Yeah, I need a process. Situation. Yeah, and so yeah. I think that like a lot of people are understanding. Like that's why I've, I've said on my personal Instagram like many times. I'm like, if I have not written back to you, it's not because I'm not trying to. It's not because I'm not going to. But it's just taking a while because these are not just. It's not somebody being like, hey, like you know, did you like this movie? And then maybe like, yeah, it's great. It's not something as like simple as that. Like these are things that just require a little bit more time and processing and yeah, all of that stuff. So whew, yeah. DMs have yeah. been crazy. <laughs> it's been so, a lot. Yeah. It's been, it's been a lot. These conversations are definitely heavy, but I'm glad obviously that we're having them because it's, you know, they're important things that we need to all talk about. So yeah, this week I've been um, listening and tuning into the lesbian who tech uh, pride summit, not, IRL because obviously we're all at home for coronavirus. I've always wanted to go to the Lesbian Food Tech Pride Summit. That has been like top tier level of like tech conference that I wanted to go to. It's like that and TED. Like those are the two things that I want to do with my life. And the fact that I've been able to do this virtually has been amazing. But um, Ariel Belgrave, who is the founder of Jim Hookie, had a session where she was talking about this, like just being fatigued and like how to be a good ally, etc. And she was just so like saying much about like just asking how are you is such a loaded question if you Mm -hmm. don't want to don't do it and i think that's my advice this week on like how can i speak to my black friends what can i do to be supportive don't ask someone how are you because you don't want the answer truly like you're not ready yeah unless you do because i'll tell you like yeah people have been asking me like questions and I might not answer for like a week, but then when I do answer, it's like three paragraphs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I have in my brain at all times. Like my heart is ca- carrying 
so much for so many people, for so many lives, like every single day. We are digging, every, I feel like multiple times a day, we are digging up an old case or something new has happened with another person of color, another trans woman is being killed. Like it just, there's so much to have. The police are consistently lying. Like uh, there's just so much happening that we all have to process at the same time of like doing the work here in the podcast, having our own businesses, the clients that we reach out to our everyday lives, our families, our friends. So you're asking a lot when you come in to a black person's mansions and you're like, how are you doing during this time? Like, uh, you don't want to know. Don't just say, I hope you're well. Yeah. I think that's a better thing to say. It sounds a little disingenuous. I understand if you don't have good repertoire with somebody, because that's also been happening is a lot of people been popping out nowhere and being like, you were my black friend. Remember, I hope you're doing well. But I would rather that than you ask me how I'm doing just because I, you're not ready. (laughs) And I'm not going to answer in you. Like, I'm not going to be like, I'm great because I don't want to make you, I'm not here to perform, make you feel better for reaching out to me. That's not my job as a black woman. That will never be my job. But my job is to continue to educate people who are interested in doing the work when I can, because I can't. And Angelica Ross also had a panel where she talked about responsibility is the ability to respond. And that's all I'm going to respond with. Like, whenever somebody's like, how can you educate me? How can you help me? I'm like, it's not my responsibility because my responsibility is the ability to respond and I can't respond right now. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's summed up so much about how I've been feeling the past couple of weeks. So, like, yeah, some me- of us, I feel like almost every Black person I know is an activist in some way, shape, or form because we have to fight for the rights of our community all the time, not just now. It's something that we are born knowing that we're always going to have to be like involved in this fight, but most of us have other jobs as well. So we're doing that and we're doing this and we can't yeah. do both full time all the time. Like we have to work. We like you're a mom, you know, like we have families and, and things like that. So it's like, we can't do it all, all the time. So like, and we, we have both friends who are like really like fam, like extended family that's on top of our family. So we are like, if something happens with them and a lot of them have, yep. uh, we're still in a pandemic. So those people have family members who are, you know, at risk or high risk people. So we're also like worried about them all the time. Like I know yeah. you are, I, know I am about my close friends and their older parents. Like it's stressful. <laughs> like yeah. I'm, I was like, that was my beginning of the year worry outside of just being black on a normal basis. Yeah. And now I feel like everything else is like gone over and tripled. So give me some time. And, and I think that a lot of like people that are really just figuring out about racism are like, I think what they want from people like that they know is like confirmation, like from us, like, wow, has this like always just been happening and I have been ignoring it and didn't realize? And the answer is yes. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to ask us and you don't have to ask us about our specific experience because like, to be quite honest, like, yeah, it's, it's happened to all of us. And like, if we haven't told you about things, that's because we just haven't felt either close enough to you to tell you, or like, we were going to like your response or just like, maybe we didn't realize, like think that you would care enough or like, know how to handle it or like we just don't have that type of relationship or some people just don't like to share stuff and that's you know yeah. that's every person like, is different if you've looked at aunt jemima this whole time your whole grown life yes. 30 40 year old, 50 year old friends that i have you've looked at that box of pancakes yep. pancake mix pancake syrup and you said that's a happy looking black lady there's nothing wrong with this image you got to do smart friend exactly like, I, that is that's, my bare minimum right yes, now that's my thing is like if you looked at that and then looked at us and thought we were this like happy about that thought, and that Bertelworth looked great because when we it, and it's more modernized now like they made her look less like bad but when we were growing up this Butterworth was atrocious and still is like it's still problematic when the bottle like oh yeah girl girl yes i remember all of this they kind of like changed it and everything but it was straight up like mammy stereotype i cannot believe you people looked at these people these mascots on these boxes and been like nothing bad could be behind that story you got work to do friends i'm so sorry like be that person that like I'm not on the same page. Like, I'm not shocked. Like, who, I, I knew this as a child. Like, I had, I looked at it and said, ah. you know, this is like looking at Tom and Jerry cartoons. It's the same characters, that same mammy stereotype. Like, you've never looked at that and thought, that's a happy looking black person. That black person wants to be involved in this problem. Nobody wants to look like that. You're not happy. Yeah. And I'm like, look at the difference of like, who's like, when white people are on things and like, ask yourself, Betty like, Crocker versus, you know, like, please this- put those two things together, take them out, take your cans, your boxes, whatever, your old school Google, look it up. 
Take those pictures of 1970s Betty Crocker face mix up, whatever. Even the Wendy's man, like all these people. Yeah. Take the white, the low Debbie girl, like yeah. And the Quaker Oats man, the Pringles man, like these fake people. I'm like, look at these people, and you think of them, and they're like, oh, well, it's the same type of stereotype. No, it's not. It's not harmful to be a Quaker. That's not harmful. <laughs> like that's not something that's. Anyway, I'm not gonna get into it because I want you. If you do not know, please do your Googles. Don't come to me asking me about did I know Aunt Jemima was racist. The answer is F yes. Did I know? Yes, yes, when I was three. Yeah. Um, moving on, we have been working in, because I do want to talk about business, I do want to kind of shift things, because we are building product-based businesses right now. We have been for a while. We've had these businesses for a while, and now we're kind of revamping and get back in the space, and so we want to talk about that a little bit, because our interview is so great. I don't want to talk too much. So we are about 11 minutes in. I want to spend five minutes or so talking about e-commerce, the state of e-commerce in 2020, because it is so different than when I started in 2013. And I just learned that this week. Yeah, it's been (laughs) changing rapidly. And of course, like that's changed, like the type of products that we want to have and that sort of thing. So like, as a lot of you know, like I've been doing the tote thing and I love the tote thing. But at the same time, it's like, ooh. How much do I want to like dive into that? Because like we're, we're not going places and I don't want to encourage you to go places. You know, right. I will say that when I leave the house, I do use a tote. And the reason why is because I like it to be very accessible for, I don't, I don't carry a lot in it. So what I carry is my wipes, my hand sanitizer, um, an extra pair of gloves and then my wallet. Um, and so I like to be able to like, and I'm wearing my mask already. Um, so I like to be able to like reach in there and easily pull things out. Um, but at the same time, that's not going to be selling as good as something like say candles or mugs, which is like where I've poured my time into. So like, I Mm -hmm. was like, well, you know what, we're going to be here for a while. When I launched in uh, December, like in November, really, um, you know, I had three cents. Those were great, but they were more like holiday type of feel. So I went back to the lab and came up with five new candle scents. And um, just like before, like every single purchase for my shop, like the whole point of the shop is to benefit charities. Um, So one of the candles is actually a Black Lives Matter candle. And then I'm doing a Black Girl Magic candle um, so that those will obviously benefit um, charities specifically with like what's going on right now. Um, And then the other three are, are benefiting things to do with the pandemic, just because, you know, that is also still a thing that is going on. But yeah, so I'm really excited about just the smells. The other three are Once Upon a Dream, Enchanted Forest, and The Evening Star. Um, So lots of good smells in there. Um, We were just talking about, Angelica, how you like smells that are a little bit more masculine. So you're really going to like the Black Lives Matter candle. Um, When you said the name of it, I was like, that's the one I'm going to buy. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Girl Magic one is a little bit lighter. It has like some sandalwood, some lavender, some sage, but the Black Lives Matter one. Yeah. The Black Lives Matter one, it has uh, amber and patchouli and black currant and just a bit of blackberry. So it's like a tiny bit of sweetness, but it's more masculine. And I did put that in because I like masculine scented candles as well. Uh, And then the Enchanted Forest one is. spruce and pine and a dash of cinnamon and some cedar so that is a little bit more of a masculine as well Um, yeah that's that's where i go for fall like my summer i feel like my all year round masculine is more like patchouli etc based when i want that pine that like outdoorsy smells then i go to like those fall candles and then yeah you guys Sandler, I'm great I'm really, like, proud of like what we came you. up with because we do have like a little bit of something for everyone because we, I did like the evening star is like if you are more into like that baked good smell that's like that cinnamon that clove that cream and vanilla and that's because mm-hmm. in my mind the evening star, star candle is based off of Tiana um and so I thought of like her as a baker um I didn't want to make a candle that smelled like New Orleans because there's just so many different scents that that could be so I was like let me think about the fact that she bakes so I was like I, that's why I did that and then you know with like I said with the Black Lives Matter one that one has like more of that masculine I, to me I wanted a smell that smelled strong and that's what that like came across um as for me and then like the Black Girl Magic one is a more of like a softer smell also the Once Upon a Dream has that lavender in there too so basically if you're more of like a flowery scent person you like florals if you like more masculine or if you like more of the baked good there's something for everyone so and i love them all to be on like i like all candles i'm just obsessed with candles in general like that's why i've been making them for so long for myself because i go through so many um so yeah and i'm excited to be able to like right now be in someone's home in a way that 
because that's where people are spending so much time. So I think that if you're getting into e-commerce, like it's really good to evaluate and be like, all right, what are people doing when they're at home? Like, that's what I love about your prints so much because I'm revamping my office space. Cause guess what? Guess where I am all the time at home in my home office. And so I was like, Oh, this is perfect. Like I can have stuff on the walls that really speaks to me because I am here looking at these walls all the time. <laughs> so I want stuff that is going to be here with me and be home with me. And that's also why I'm doing mugs too, because I, I, I go through mugs. Like there's no, I'm out. waiting for mugs because I do need new yeah. mugs. So I'm launching with two and then I have already three more design that I'll be like adding kind of like you're doing, like adding as time goes on. So it's not yeah. everything all at once. Um, but yeah. And what I love best is that you and I get to like, order from each other and drop it off at each other's homes because yeah, we live across the street. Even on shipping. Um, so for those who don't know, I think I kind of hinted at it at the end of last episode, but um, I reopened the Studio 44 site. Like the whole site's been redone. Like I did a blog post about the new line. I send out newsletters every Friday. Uh, there's new products every Friday. I started the first couple of products in the line. I've added actually two more products since Friday. And then I think I have uh, four more products hitting this Friday. Like I did them all last night, so I don't remember. The <laughs> issue is I do this at night. And what I mean is I don't go to bed. So I just stay up and work on launches and put things into the wild. And that's what happened um, Friday. So uh, A, number one, if you want to get into e-commerce, don't do that unless you have the skill set to do so. Uh, and even if you do, I still don't recommend it, but I, it wasn't as painful for me because I can develop, I can design, I you know, I can work my computer. I know how things work. And it was easy for me to kind of do the technical and the art side because I wanted to art direct the way I wanted to look and feel to go and the copywriting as well. Yeah. Three or four skill sets. If you don't have them, that's three or four people you have to hire. Please plan this out in advance. I will say I have been planning this for a year. So the back end work, the was templates already, yeah. were already done. Like I already knew what products I wanted to work on. I already knew how I was going to get it done. I already had selected drop shipper for some of the things that I'm going to drop ship in the future. I had my printer on lock. Like I knew all these things, my templates for my mock-ups, all that stuff. I already had that stuff in play, but it really was just me trying to push a deadline because I am still working. I have a kid. Mm -hmm. I did spend all day Friday. Like we were doing ridiculous mom-daughter things like upstairs. So I was like, I just want to dedicate that time to her on Friday and then spend the night up trying to launch a shop. I redesigned. I like, I was going to redesign the site anyway, but I didn't expect to fully redesign it my bad that's what happens when you're up all by yourself <laughs> nobody tells you no um so yeah it's been a, a labor of love we'll continue to uh share updates here uh if you do like anything in my shop specifically i'm sure charisma may have something as all well. as well you can use the uh coupon code boss so hard of course because we want you to always remember boss so hard and then you can save 10 percent off your entire order because there's going to be things in there all the time that probably is going to be the coupon code for this show until the end of the year because I got so many coupon codes because I'm working with so many different people and I can't like I'm keeping track in a spreadsheet. I have them in the WooCommerce back end, but it is a lot to deal with. So e-commerce is a journey. I just wanted to like not discourage people because I do think it's important for people to if you have something you want to sell, this is the time to do it. Yes. Yeah. Um, people are buying like people are at home. They're bored. They got money. The people who do have money. They are like they they spend money like this, this is the time to do it. We're getting ramped up towards holidays, so this is a good time to introduce your brand to people, mm -hmm. so that when holiday comes and people do have money to spend or have been saving for holiday, they can come shop oh. for you. We're shopping for minority-owned businesses, marginalized people, so that's also another. Let me like, just say because this is so important. Don't do what I did, which was in my mind last year. I was like, I really need to launch right before holiday because I want to get those holiday sales and yeah and I made the mistake of like launching right before holiday and that was a bad plan because <laughs> I had not in your flow and everything I, yeah, I was making multiple different things you know it's like I like I'm making candles in house I'm making totes in house um, mugs were ordered out but you know I had all the designs and stuff for those that I had made um, so it was just like a lot of things to be making like in my, like in my studio. And so yeah. all of a sudden it's like orders are coming in and it's, it was a lot to deal with, which is why I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I closed down my Etsy shop once I got to a certain point and I was like, I'm just gonna 
work on these and then like, you know, work on like the next launch and like take my time with it. So I've been taking my time with it, but I feel like summer is the time to launch if you are trying to make winter sales, because it'll give you enough time to see what it is that people like, um, what they're responding to, how the process goes for shipping and, you know, how you want to do your social media and all those different things. So launch like sooner rather than later. And you don't have to launch with a million things. I can tell you, girl, what really made me just be like, I'm going to do this. And I'm not going to call out the brand because there's nothing wrong with the brand. But I will say that there is a brand that is a very large handle brand. And I, in my mind, was super intimidated by them because I had been on their Instagram and I was like, they're so legit. And like they sell their candles for 30 something dollars and like they're amazing and they're like on lists of like you know best black owned businesses and stuff like that and so I don't know why but I'd never gone to their website so I went to their website and I was like this is not great right like at all no shade because I think that the product is still amazing but the website is 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 not good at all. Um, so in my mind, I was like, everything needs to be perfect or else I will never be successful. And I'm like, I'm not saying like launch now and don't know what you're doing, but I'm just saying like, you can like the shop itself was out of like majority of the candles, which is fine because yeah. again, like that's, that's what happens when you're running a small business, but it's like, they didn't have much for much even available on the website. And then the website wasn't done very well. So I'm like, it's better to like go ahead and launch and launch with like a few things and start to figure it out and then like revamp from there. So like, sure. like you said, you did your site from scratch because you do have that skill set to, you know, like code from scratch and like develop from the ground up. Whereas I moved everything from Etsy to Shopify um, because I have like, I can do, it's like the best way to explain it is like, if you took a language like Spanish, right? Angelica speaks fluently, whereas I speak tiny little broken bits enough to get by to like get myself a sandwich and like ride the Go bus to that yeah like something like that like, I, it's not, it's like I can if there is a problem I can either go in and like either identify where it is or at least like know enough to know what specifics I need to hire somebody for to fix if that makes sense whereas a lot of people right. like, don't even know that um so I can go in and manipulate things to make them better and and that sort of thing but I prefer to have something like Shopify that's gonna like help me yeah. and then I can and I 100% tweet will tell from you, there and I say this all the time to clients and everybody if you don't have the background go to Shopify mm-hmm. that is over Etsy over WooCommerce yeah. over anywhere over Society6 mm-hmm. for our over all these other places invest in Shopify it's a little bit pricey quote-unquote because it's better you know it's more than free but what you get is a more professional experience in there that's what they like that's what they specialize in. That's their job. And they, like, let me tell you, I love WooCommerce and the flexibility it has for me to be able to blog and still have this shop and not have to worry about one looking bad because that is what happens with Shopify. It's not for blogs. Like if they have a blog functionality, it's not beautiful. Yeah, I'm a snob. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a, a thing that's, and that's my own yeah. That's workout. why. That's exactly why. Like it's it's separate from my main blog. Exactly. You know I mean? it's yeah, like I have charismatic concepts. Out. And then I have Kismet and Charisma because so all my information I'm getting, like all the blogs I'm reading, all the like templates I'm reading, all the people I'm following, it's coming from Shopify because they're the people who know what they're talking about. So. Yeah. And like, so I eventually like plan on doing a big redesign for um, Kismet and Charisma, but I was like, let's get this started. Let's get it on Shopify. Let's see how things go right now. I can't do the shoots that I want to do because that was for me, that was a big part of launching was being able to take photos, uh, my own photos with the products and not just like in a cute photo way, which is you will see like those images, but I wanted to just take photos with people. Like I really, I connect to people when I'm wanting to buy something and I like the story that it tells and what it tells about that item. And for me, that's like a really rough thing of like not being able to do that because that was a big part of my vision. I was going to be doing a catalog every season. And now I can't do that in the way that I want. Um, So I'm kind of like hoping that maybe if I'm lucky, Florida will stop being on fire and it will be okay to like do a state, like a socially distanced photo shoot um, in like one of the local coffee shops. I'm going to ask them to close down and go in there and kind of like execute my vision in there. 
Um, but we'll see. I mean, that might not be able to happen. But if it does, that's what I'm hoping. And I, I would use those to do like a, you know, I'm already planning like the website relaunch that Bobby will do because I can't afford you and David because you guys are too fancy. Um, the dictionary, like literally, just, you work for the just, dictionary. So. <laughs> somebody, somebody was asking me the other day, like what type of stuff, like, like, because they were talking about like a, um, like a, poli- like a politics type of website. And they were like, yeah, like, I don't, you know, it needs to be somebody who can really do that sort of thing because it's going to be seen by so many people. So like, they have to be able to work on that level. And I'm like, Hey, have you ever heard of like the dictionary, like dictionary.com? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, David built that. So like, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that he could handle it. So yeah. I'm like, he, I always just tell people he built the dictionary. Okay. <laughs> I don't oh, explain no. it. I get too excited, oh, no. but yes, that is pretty oh, much Lord. what happened. Um, so well, yeah, guys, I'm super excited have... about our shops and I yes. just, everybody go out, support both of them. Um, the links will be in the show notes. Yeah. Don't worry about and I, when I finish the office redesign with Angelica's, um, prints in it, I will definitely post photos for y'all to see, but I, I want people to go and guess which prints that I got. Go guess. And I don't think yeah. anybody will be surprised. It's so funny because you be. <laughs> and Melissa got one of the same print, obviously. So I thought that was funny that obviously you got like I think that's so funny when people I Girl, know when I tell you I'm not gonna say what it is because I do want people to go guess but when I tell you that I needed to hear that phrase right now with everything that has been going on in my life like personally obviously also everything that's going on on a big scale but just like I really needed to hear that and when I saw that. I had never heard that before and I was just and it to me was just like I was like this is something that Angelica would say to me like and like if we're having a conversation you would just be like yeah this and I would be like all right I guess I'll have to listen to you now but yeah I was like I need that on my wall so that when I'm having those days I can look up and see that and be like okay like let me just let me just do that (laughs) so yes go check that out please Yes, go check out our shops. Um, just go support the products. They are um, going towards some fantastic nonprofits. And we are excited to talk to uh, your brother. So, <laughs> my little brother is on the podcast today. Um, he has been on before. It's we'll put a link to his old episode as well. Yeah, it's hard to get him um, in a time where he and I talk every day, but it's just hard for him to be able to always talk publicly because a lot of times he's working in positions where. He can't speak about things. And uh, the last few jobs he've, he's had have been like sensitive in that way. Uh, and he's worked at a lot of wild places from like move on to color of change to presidential campaigns and so on and so forth. So definitely has a very interesting life that is quite wild. And he's still basically a baby. Um, yeah. So definitely you get your, get your notes check him out. Yeah. So, yeah, we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Welcome back. I'm really excited because today we have um, my favorite guest of all time, which I'm allowed to say that without it being favorites because it's my little brother. So welcome to the podcast, Ben. You've been here before, um, but a lot has happened since then. So go ahead for those who haven't heard of you, they're going to now and they're going to fall in love with you. Um, Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do, which I know is a really complicated question. (laughs) How do I answer that? Hi. Everything. I do all the things. Yeah. You know, I like to say that I work sort of at the intersections of politics and entertainment, basically using culture as a tool to change the world. And that's a lofty thing to say, but it's true. I've gotten to work on projects that have really fundamentally changed the game, and I'm going to continue to do that. And that manifests in all sorts of ways, from consulting uh, brands and politicians and television showrunners to speaking at universities and um, and a lot of other fun things on the, in the works as well. Awesome. That's exciting. Uh, we are we are boring here. <laughs> we, I'm like we're not that exciting. So you recently worked for the Warren campaign, and I know some of your experiences from the campaign campaign can't be shared. But is there anything that you can tell us about what it was like actually working on a presidential campaign? Because it's such a big deal. Yeah, it's it's sort of the most wild experience you'll ever have in your life. Um, it's exhausting. I was say you didn't sleep for most of the time. 
Yeah, boy, I I mean, I'm still struggling to sleep these days, but I really, I, you know, you're working 17 hours a day and it's hard, but you're working on literally the most important thing in the world right now. And I think the coolest part of that job, you know, there were troubles and there were things I had to fight for, like in any space when you're a person of color, marginalized person. But, you know, one of the most incredible things was when I would work on something or have an idea or, you know, uh, come up with a stunt for Elizabeth Warren and it happened and it became, you know, national, in some cases, international news. And just the ability to have such an effect on the world in that way, working at that scale, it's one of these experiences that, you know, I'll certainly never forget. I, you know, I don't know if I'll ever, I think the only other candidate I'd work for is AOC. Her presidential campaign might get me out of retirement. But until then, I think I'm good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame you because it was a lot of work. I feel like it's weird because we talk like all the time. And I feel like that was the least amount of time we ever talked ever um, because you were just in go mode all the time and every time i talk to you it's like every conversation was unbelievable you're like i have to go i'm watching john legend from backstage right now like it was just like every conversation was just like how is this your life right now like i do not understand it's pretty it was those types of things are are still so surreal and you know my role was uh helping to lead our creative and creative is such a broad term you know, creative is, is how we tell the story to the masses these days in uh, videos or, or emails or podcasts even is how we really communicate with so many people at scale. And so it was exciting to be a part of the projects that really reach the most people. You know, I obviously I do a lot of work in Hollywood. I do a lot of work with celebrities and to try to use their platforms to help scale our message. And so, yeah, you know, you never knew what was going to happen. Maybe Sally Field was was calling on the other line while, you know, I was trying to get John Legend out to South Carolina. You know, it was a really wild experience, a wild time. And this is coming from someone who has had, you know, some pretty cool experiences. But this certainly was one of those things where it's just the scale of what I was doing was so huge. And, yeah, you just never knew what the day was going to bring. Yeah, because you worked with, like, a lot of, like, celebrity outreach and stuff before, like, on Move On and for other places, but this was just literally, it was, like, daily. Like, it was, like, every single day, every time I talked to you, it was just, like, I gotta go, I'm emailing, you know, whoever, Um, and I was just, like, oh, okay, like, that's, that's wild, like, I just, it it was a lot, (laughs) but amazing, like, obviously, like, it's one of those experiences that you're gonna, like, tell your kids about one day and kind of just, like, hold with you forever, but I'm so glad that, like, not that you're getting a lot of sleep, but I'm glad you're getting like a little more. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, at least that you know it's nice to not have to be working um, in in an, a ridiculous amount of hours. You know, it's it's one of those jobs where you're always on. And you're living in two places too, on top of all that. Yeah, going between Cambridge, Massachusetts, and Brooklyn. Um, pets in different houses, a partner to contend with, um, trying to find time to eat dinner. It was uh, it was certainly an experience. And um, it was also an emotional experience because you're so connected. What we're doing was so massive. You know, I remember there was a time when we were working on, um, on an, our LGBTQ plan. And, you know, I, I worked really heavily. I, I was a big player in that work. And there was one line that we added that was like a commitment that Senator Warren would put an LGBTQ person on her cabinet, uh, which is unprecedented. It's an unprecedented commitment. And that was a line, you know, I was like, can we make this commitment? And at first they were like, no. And it's something I sort of pushed for. And it was wild when that was finally published. It was like, wow, this, no one's ever made this commitment before. And I helped push the senator to do that. There were so many times where I helped push her to do something, to be better, to have an LGBTQ plan in the first place or a number of different plans. And and uh, it's just important to be that person in that room and to bring my my perspective coming from being a you know black, fat, poor a guy who grew up in poverty is queer and you know is is young and successful. I was able to bring a lot of different perspective to the table. And I'm, I'm really proud of, of being in that room. I love that. And uh, for a lot of people that may not like know, because they're like, Oh my God, like how did he get this job? And 
at any age, but especially at your age, um, you've worked with Warren before. So this wasn't like your first time actually working with her. So really it's one of those things where like one job leads to the next leads to the next, you know? Totally. We, we, my twin brother and I, your brother as well, uh, made a series. He's, he's not my great twin though. You're, you're kind of like my yeah. twin, but he's but not. We made a now. series of videos yeah. with Senator Warren in 2017 about Donald Trump's taxes that actually became the most viral political videos ever on Facebook. So um, we had some history and I think she knew what I brought to the table in that regard. And so that certainly played a role in, in this opportunity. And when they called me up, to ask me about a job, I, you know, I dropped everything and said, yeah, let's do it. So you've been doing activist work for a long time now, starting out like the first like major viral thing was the whole Amber Crombie and Fitch thing back in the day. And then leading to stuff like taking down Confederate flags before they were coming down the way that they are now. Um, so yeah, you've been doing this for a long time and obviously you're seeing like things that you fought so hard for, like just getting like, a confederate flag down you know and now like some things are happening rapidly but then it's pointing out a lot of the things that we've been like working on forever that aren't happening so there's just so much going on and you've already been in the fight for like 10 years even though you're in your mid-20s so how are you staying balanced with everything that's going on and like what's keeping you motivated and just like keeping you going towards those goals you know, for me, it's realizing that this isn't a sprint, it is a marathon. And despite not being much of a runner, I um, I really like to think of that analogy because I've watched as we've had marches in the street. I will never forget the death of Trayvon Martin, the death of Tamir Rice, the death of Eric Gardner. You know, Eric Gardner's uh, daughter, Erica, was a friend of mine. She unfortunately passed away. And I'll never forget hearing her talk about her father and the fact that the cop that killed him was still on the force while she was alive. And she, of course, she could never call the police because she might be calling her father's murderer to her door. You know, this is not new for so many of us. We live this every day. And so while I feel like there's this new sort of insurgence of folks who are excited about this, who want to be involved, who don't understand why change doesn't come overnight, those folks don't understand the context in the history here that we have been fighting these fights for over a hundred years and we're going to have to keep fighting and well progress is important justice and progress are not synonymous yes. we make progress every day but realize that we're a far way off from true true justice true equity true quality in our society yes i'm all for that like that's gonna be the quote in case anyone was wondering thus far there may be multiple because i feel like when we do a bin episode i write down so many things and like try to show them all in our notes so i agree i'm so on this like can we just get our equity already like i'm so exhausted by everybody being like well we just we can all be equal i'm like no 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 yeah uh, equality is garbage yeah. everybody needs equity our trans sisters need equity like i'm so over this equality bs throw it in the garbage give me equity um absolutely so um you have been an activist for so long as christmas said like you were doing the work while we were out here having jobs because we're old um <laughs> while you were working in your uh, in the streets making important change in your nine to five what is some what are some tips do you have for the people who are coming up who are these generations of people who are getting involved in activism because there's so many like young people who are just 18. Yeah, there's a lot of baby activists out there. I've gotten so many calls of like people like, I'm at a protest for the first time. Like, what do I do? So there's a lot of people that are like very green coming in right now. Yeah. So what are some tips that you have for those who are just getting involved? Even the people who are older, there may be some people, I've seen some pictures of some men who are like in their 70s and 80s getting involved. So what are your tips for people getting involved and doing the work? Um, I, I think there's a lot, a lot of tips I could give. I'll give a couple. The first would be to listen. You're new to this, and so it is not your job to be doing the talking. It is your job to be doing the listening, to learn, to grow from the people who have been in this fight for so long. And yes. ignorance by its very definition is a lack of knowledge. And so the only way to defeat your own ignorance and the ignorance of the people around you is to educate yourself and then to educate others. I think it's so crucial that people educate themselves and truly understand the history of the fights that they're fighting, truly understand the way that the systems that they are fighting against actually behave and actually oppress real people in real time. 
and truly understand the leaders who are who are in this fight and who they should be looking to for guidance because again this is not it's not a, the I, the other thing i would say is it's not about you and this was something that sort of took a while for me to understand as an activist because there's a lot of ego involved in activism in which people feel like they, people get into activism because it's popular or because it's trendy and not because of the mission. If your activism is to get likes, then you're missing the point. If you are posting a picture of yourself at a Black Lives Matter protest, then you are missing the point. If you are destroying things or spray painting as a non-black person, you are missing the point. You are part of the problem. You are complicit. And I, I think it's really important for people to understand how they're complicit in oppression before trying to sort of frame themselves as an activist, because the reality is that your activism can continue to do harm to the communities that you're supposedly fighting for. And so it's incredibly important to, to understand your place within this system of oppression and how you can contribute to anti-racism versus contribute to racism. Oh my gosh. I agree so much. <laughs> like I'm getting the word. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the spirit. Appreciate yeah, everything. I feel like there's okay. so many people that I know who are white people, both in our family and Ben, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but I won't say name names on air, but in our family. And then like, acquaintances friends whatever who have definitely not like looked in the mirror and dealt with the reality of like who they are and how they see things and whatever and yet they're out here in these streets like yeah like I'm you know the perfect anti-racist and like and I'm just like you haven't done the work on yourself yet like I don't I don't understand. You don't have a black friend. You don't know. You could the only black people you could name are Michelle Obama and Oprah yeah. and James. Like you, you. That's the thing where it's like, are you out here because you're bored of quarantine, or are you out here because you're tired of racism? Ooh, ooh, right there, right there, <laughs> right there. I mean, for real. Like you'll look at these people, and they will have no black people in their lives, and and not only no black people, but just no people of color. In, in general, right? If you, you know, let's say like on Instagram, you follow 600 people and three of them are black and then there's no other representation whatsoever. Like you really need to ask yourself like, what sort of, like, what am I surrounding myself with? Like, it's just 100% like pure whiteness. You're not going to have a good idea of what's going on in the world ever, not just now. So it's really just not something that you can speak out on. I think that it's totally fine. I think a lot of people feel like pressure right now to be like, look at me, I know all the things and I'm being supportive. But I think it's really fine to just say like, I don't know what to say yet. So I'm out here like educating myself and like you can show that journey too. Like, I don't know why people are like pretending that they know everything. It's like, we know you don't know everything. We're black and we've been here and we've been watching you like specifically. Like, I'm talking about specific people. <laughs> and I'm like, so we, we are well aware that you don't know anything. So like, why not be like, oh, I'm reading this book and just share a photo of the book. Or, you know, I'm listening to this TED talk or I'm listening to this speech. Like, you don't have to pretend that you know everything already because you don't. Like there's marginalized groups that I'm not a part of that I, I knew absolutely nothing about the trans community. Like when I first started hearing about it, like I had no authority to speak on anything, to explain anything. Like I just knew absolutely nothing. And that's just been something that I've had to like dive in and learn as much as possible. And I'm still learning every day, every day. Um, but it's just like, I don't understand. Like, of course I didn't know everything because I I'm not trans. So I wasn't going to just like wake up one day and know everything there is to know about the trans community. Like that just doesn't make any sense. So I don't know why people are having such a hard time just admitting like, yeah, I truly don't know everything about black people and about the experience and about like the history. And the thing is, is that we don't really teach any of that history. I have seen, I don't know, I would say maybe 40%, maybe 30 to 40% of the black people I know coming out and saying that they had not heard of Juneteenth either until now or until the blackish episode where they explain Juneteenth. Um, so it's like, it is stuff that they just don't teach, you know, in American schools. And unless like someone in your family happens to know and teaches you like a lot of the stuff, like you don't learn. And then of the people that did know a lot, didn't celebrate it because they just didn't know how. And because also it's not a holiday for Americans. So 
in most places, like you're still going to have to work or, you know, whatever, like you're not going to be able to take it off. So a lot of people don't celebrate it anyways. Um, so just little, and that's one of the many things that we are not informed of, like in school when it comes to, you know, black history and, and the realities of American history and not the whitewashed version. So I don't know why people are pretending that they know everything. I'm like, you truly don't. There's so much to learn and just like take a little bit of time to actually learn the truth and how we got to where we are, because you're not really going to understand where we are unless you see how we got there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they don't want to, like, I want to like, also because we had a situation and I shared it with you, but like somebody saying, Oh, I don't like to be called racist. Cause nobody likes to be called racist. Apparently it's, it's the worst thing that white person can be called. And um, they were like, so how do I bring this up in a panel of, of, about black, of black people? Of like, how can I explain like how hard it is to be called racist or whatever? And I was like, instead of that question, <laughs> just talk about how yeah. you're trying to channel your ignorance into an educational journey for yourself. And like silence, that person never wrote back to me. I've not spoken to that person since because they don't want to. That is the answer is like, nobody wants to admit they're ignorant. They just want to be like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to learn. Like, I'm don't call me out because I don't know everything. But you're not trying to know everything either. You're not trying to learn either. And they have the opportunity and nobody wants to do the work. And that's across the board for all marginalized people. Like, there's so many different things that people don't care about with LGBT plus issues. Like, they don't care, trans, especially trans issues. Like, the ignorance that's coming out in our own community from about trans women is just baffling to me i'm like we are all like what are you saying right now like sisters need help like lift these sisters up so uh i'm just i can go on a tangent because i this person had an opportunity to like center themselves and their journey which is like surprise that happens to white men all the time and he like didn't want to do it because he didn't want to admit that he he didn't want to learn like it's so wild to me so somebody on facebook which is always like where the worst things happen Um, that I went to high school with, which let me tell you, I'm not friends with very many people from high school. And this is the exact reason why. So he shares a video and, you know, he's been very outspoken about like, you know, Black Lives Matter and things are happening. So it's like, okay, like maybe this video will be good. But then the title of the video is the Black Lives Matter movement is secretly run by, uh, or has a secret agenda of feminism and um and so like feminism and lgbtq and so someone comments on it like it's not a secret like they are running the thing like they're doing all the organizing and like they are running the show like it's not a secret so like i watched like five minutes of this video to be like what is this about and it's definitely like a guy who's like a hotep and he's like you know, he's called like the prophet or something like that. I don't know, just something like a really ridiculous name. And it was just mind blowing to me, like how he was shocked that women and people in the LGBTQ community also want to be treated as if our black lives matter. Like he was very genuinely shocked that it was not only about black men. And he was like, wow, they're out here also wanting a seat at the table and i am shocked because i thought this was all about me so and just just i mean it was like a 30 minute video i didn't watch the whole thing but that was the gist of it that i got is that he was very surprised that we're out here also demanding to be treated like people (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you're working on some truly amazing projects right now you've got a lot of things in the work i don't know what you're allowed to talk about not a like not allowed to talk about so i was like i don't want to ask you about any projects specifically but can you tell us about any of the things that you are working on currently uh, well one of the most <clears throat> sort of exciting things i'm i'm doing currently that is public is that i uh, am a producer on a forthcoming documentary that focuses on stacy abrams and voting rights and i'm very excited about that um it will be coming out later this year, um, perfect timing. That timing hasn't been announced yet, but it'll be coming out later this year. And um, to me, that's a really exciting opportunity because what we're doing again is connecting culture and and politics and creating a film that touches people and informs people on some really surprising information about how blatantly uh, voting suppression is within our society. And, so I'm really excited about that film. That's uh, been taking a good amount of my time. And then I'm working on some personal projects. You know, I'm, I'm getting back into writing. And um, 
really exciting about some uh, writing projects that are coming up shortly. And uh, yeah, developing some new projects as well around race. Um, I think the TV and podcasts and all those spaces have a lot uh, to gain in, in this time with more conversations. And so I'm just trying to, uh, you know, I really love to tell stories and help identify the stories of marginalized people. And so I'm working on some projects that I hope will lift those up in a big way. Um, I can't remember because you've met so many people and done so many things. Have you met Stacey Abrams yet? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought you had, but I was like, she was like yeah, girl. Yeah. I can't Don't. remember because there's a lot of people that you've met and like, it's hard to keep track of. How would she like? <laughs> I think Stacy is Does really she like what I think in my head. Yeah. You know, she's an incredibly educated and well-spoken black woman who came from poverty and kicks ass every day. Um, I think that she is, you know, would be a, a great vice presidential contender as well and i know that she's still in the running for that i think she's a really fabulous person and um you know i think one of the most important things that stacy does is mobilize the south and you know coming from the south uh, i'm sort of acutely aware of of the challenges that we face in these republican states um and so you know i'm i'm proud of what she's doing what fair fight is doing and i think she's the perfect person to be highlighting in this film that's amazing. Um, do you have any other, speaking of VPs, like any other people that you're like, you would like to see as picks? Um, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, we're looking at, there's about four options right now. It's probably between Stacey, um, Congresswoman Val Demings, who's from Orlando, where y'all are, uh, and uh, Kamala Harris, of course, and uh, Elizabeth Warren. I know them all and i think they're all fabulous women who um any of them would would make a great addition like a true politician (laughs) oh my goodness that's so funny (laughs) i feel like um because i've been watching involved with the lesbian suits tech situation and then i got to meet uh mayor dimmings at an event earlier this year i'm like I'm like in reading Stacey Abrams' book. I'm kind of like team all these people because I kind of have an idea of their yeah. platforms, etc. Of course, I have more nodding towards certain people than not, but I like I wouldn't be angry at any of these choices. <laughs> like exactly. I went by Val Deming's office in D.C. and like nobody was there, but I just like had my thumbs up and smiled in a photo, and I was like, "We out, we out here!" Like <laughs> it's super exciting. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of on the same boat. Like I would be happy to see any of them. One thing I love about all of them is that they all like can command an audience in a way that mm-hmm. Biden can't. Um, and like they all know their shit. So that, you know, right there, like that's uh, just knowing things is something that will be a shock to see in the White House again. So, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> Education? I mean, people like, knowing how to read. Basic things to be able to like know stuff and talk well speak well in front of audiences but <laughs> li- ri- we're back to that like if i can just get that in a vp i'm gonna be shocked but all of them obviously can do that and, and much 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 more. i'm like so. anybody in the white house could speak a, a full sentence without like a lie like straight up blatantly exactly. that'd be great like i want yeah. a day without lies <laughs> like that's my list is so low yeah. so ben <laughs> you spend a good portion of your year doing public speaking gigs uh same i am missing public speaking right now we are in the pandemic so how have you had to pivot i know that my first speaking gig is next month that i've virtually and so i've been excited and pumped about that so what are you doing on your end and when you will you be speaking publicly when this is all over someday someday i can look at your future and see it (laughs) it really sucks uh i'll be honest you know like this was going to be i was coming off of a presidential campaign and i had a lot to say and the pandemic has sort of hindered that i was supposed to be speaking at nyu this year earlier in March. So it's been, um, it's certainly been challenging. And, you know, pivoting to virtual is, is, is an option. It's obviously something my team is exploring and, you know, booking if anyone wants to book me, hey, hey. Uh, but, you know, virtual lacks the intimacy. Mm-hmm. That I, I love about being in a room with people, yes. connecting with people in that way. And uh, hey, it doesn't pay as well. So um, <laughs> you know, I'm really looking forward to a vaccine for coronavirus and um because i think that you know i speak mostly on university campuses 
And these are conversations, you know, when I went to Utah or when I was in Washington State or, you know, some of these places that don't have these conversations as often, I, I just felt how necessary it was meeting people afterwards and hearing their stories and just allowing them to feel heard for the first time maybe ever um, and to feel seen for the first time maybe ever. Like, I think it was such a rewarding opportunity for me, but also a necessity for the spaces that I was in. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into speaking. And, you know, I am cautiously optimistic that we will be able to find solutions moving forward in the, you know, hopefully in the year to come that will allow us to no longer have to be uh, as isolated as we are now. I don't know that this will work forever. COVID might be with us forever, but I don't know that um, this isolation will will work. We people need don't to be around. That. I don't like that. <laughs> COVID will be around forever, just like the flu is around. Yeah, like girl. even things that have been eradicated, like measles. Um, I know. Continue. It's just when you say it out loud, it's I don't like to hear it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's tough. It's a virus that is going to to be with us, and so it's important that we we find ways to adapt. Yeah, that's that's been the struggle. I think is finding ways to adapt, and then I think that you know having a government that isn't hasn't been telling us the truth and being forthcoming about things, I think, has made it a little bit trickier to deal with. Um, because yeah, when you're not getting the actual information, it's hard to make decisions that make sense um so it's interesting seeing each country and how some countries are doing you know better than others and that sort of thing um but yeah so the pandemic has definitely affected all of us in different ways some of us have had it worse than others um obviously like i like every i can't say anyone's been like lucky right but I feel like for the most part, like no one in our immediate family has been sick, that sort of thing. We've been able to work because like you, Alex and I already work from home for the most part. And then John's a teacher. So like that was, you know, I don't say an easy transition, but it was a guaranteed transition. I'll say that. So um, we've had money in like incoming to our like immediate family unit, which I know a lot of people haven't. Um, so for that, we've been very lucky. But as we spoke about off air right before coming on, we now have people in our extended family who are getting tested and most likely do have coronavirus. So it's just even when you think, oh, I've got this whole thing figured out, you don't. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot going on. And like you just said, it's not going to be over anytime soon. This is a virus that we're going to be dealing with and we're going to need to learn to adapt. So what advice do you have? for all of us as we just navigate through these uncertain times and trying to stay like positive and still continuing to make a difference and make the world a better place or just make ourselves better um, or just make it through the day (laughs) as we kind of navigate through this. Yeah, you know, I think that the key is to get back on the bike when you fall off, when things happen in life that leave you scratched and scared and traumatized. You don't get to succumb to that. You have to use it for something, channel it for something good. You know, everything that's gone bad in my life, I've always tried to find a way to channel it towards growth and to fix the conditions that it caused. And so I do think that we've seen that COVID has created new conversations that weren't happening before, have pushed people, not everyone, but some people to have more empathy for their fellow person, to understand that we are a collective, to understand that wearing a mask is not just for you, it's mostly for someone else, and that selflessness is important, and that we are not the only people on this planet. We have a collective responsibility for each other. And so I try to find ways to look at the positive of what's coming out of this terrible thing, and to ensure that we take this moment and we use it for good, so that the lives of the folks we've lost aren't in vain. Yeah, I think it's important that we continue to honor those people. I think we get caught up in the everyday reality, but we still need to take time to honor the people who have lost their lives. And most, if not all, were senseless because, you know, leadership failed to act when they were supposed to. So I think it's such a tragedy. Yeah, and I feel like, I think I've probably said this on the podcast before, but 
Um, if you have not gotten therapy before, if you have gotten therapy before, if you're thinking about therapy, this I think would be a great time to go. These are not, this is, this is not normal. Like there's nothing like normal about the situation that we're in. Um, and so it's, you know, it's definitely something that if you've never gone, or even if you have, and you stopped going, this would be the time that I would say to go back because it's just, it's going to be hard to navigate no matter how together you have it, no matter how privileged you are, no matter how much money is in your bank account or how healthy you are, we're all dealing with something because of this. Even if it's just seeing people around you lose their jobs or their lives or, you know, lose basically. Um, it's, it's just hard as a collective because we're all, you know, affected as, you know, community, as Americans, and just as the world. Because to me, it's it's just as heartbreaking seeing people die in other countries as it is seeing them die, you know, on in our country. So definitely, if you have not um, looked into therapy, we, we will post some of that in the show notes for you for ways to get some affordable therapy. Because I know that's a question that I'm getting a lot um, all over Instagram and stuff. So for sure. So Ben, we have to wrap it up, but what is something that you're looking forward to uh, both professionally and personally, and where can our listeners follow you so that they can all get educated? Cause you have so much to teach and you've been teaching so much for so long. So I feel like they can just scroll back in your Instagram as far back and start writing notes. Yes. We'll end on a happier note than the one we're just on. Yeah, you know, I'm um, I'm just looking forward to another day of life, you know, and, you know, each day brings new challenges, but it also brings new opportunities, you know, to find joy and to find things to make you happy and to find ways that you can make an impact on the world. And I think that, you know, I often say in speeches, like in thinking that I was healing someone else in this work that I was doing for activism, I was actually helping to heal myself. And I, I think that's so crucial is that there is uh joy and comfort and uh and a certain pride that comes with doing good and being a good person and making impact especially in times of of hardship and that's what brings me joy is knowing that i did something to help someone else um and so i think that's what i'm looking forward to looking forward to you know some hot summer days with a mask on and um finding ways to get outside to to find you know ways to still have joy even in sort of these sorrowful times and so you know that's what i'm looking forward to folks can follow me on instagram at benjamin o'keefe on twitter at benjamin o'keefe on facebook oh i hate facebook uh at benjamin <laughs> as well so you can hear me in a lot of places and um you know come join that community and, and be a part of the conversation we're having there um and i did not write this question down but it is a very important question so i have to make sure i ask it who is your favorite sister my favorite sister <laughs> would be my brother alex no i'm just kidding <laughs> Messy, messy boots. <laughs> it better not be. It better not be. Notice I didn't ask sibling. I was like, I want no competition. Okay, I'm the only one that can be your favorite sister. Even when Alex gets married, like it's it's a done deal. Um, I've got to say that I have been arguing with people on your Facebook, like not most of the people have been positive, but like there'll be like one or two people that isn't. And I'm like, oh, I'm going in. Um, but then it was funny because I asked you, I was like, oh, like, you know, this and that. And you were like, yeah, like, girl, like I haven't like been in the comments like you're it's fine. And I was like, OK, because I just didn't want anybody. I was like, I'm going to defend you. But yeah, on Twitter and, and Instagram, there's no need because there are like a lot of people that will go in and, and defend much better than I can. So yeah, yeah. I kind of just go and drop the bomb and then walk away and let everyone else do the cleanup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let them have that conversation. You're like, I said what I said and I said exactly. what I said. So yeah, that is what I said. Um, so yeah, I love it. And it's really been awesome to see people um from literally people that i talk to all the time to people that i haven't talked to in years are sending me stuff that you wrote and they're like your brother wrote this did you see it and i'm like yes yes i did thank you um but it is it's always so fun like just to see people like freaking out about you going viral and stuff so uh, again this has been something that like you've been going viral for things since you were like how old were you with 
Ember Crime and all that. 17, 18, 19? 18. I don't know. Yeah. How, how old? I was 18. Yeah. So I, I remember driving you to um, whatever news station it was here in Orlando when like they were like, you're going to be on the news. And we were like, all right. And so John and I drove you to the news station and you just jumped right on the set and like did your thing. And since then, it's like you go viral like multiple times every year. And like some, like I remember, like when you lived in Orlando, like sometimes you'd be like, "Hey, I'm coming over, and I'm using your living room, and Good Morning America is filming in your living room today," and I'm like, "All right, let's do it." Um, so this is being your sister is just kind of like this is a part of the journey. Like, oh, like I'm coming to visit you in New York, and now we have to go, you know, stop over in like Huffington Post building because you have to do an interview there, or whatever. So it's it's always very crazy, but it's always a lot of fun. And I'm just really proud of you. And I'm just proud that during all of this, you know, chaos that you are just being a light and a beacon and leading people to positivity and just sharing your experiences and sharing your heart and educating people. So I couldn't be more proud of you and just keep doing everything you're doing because you are as close to perfect, I think, as a person could be. Oh, thank you. I love you. <laughs> I love you. All right. Thank you, Delta. I love you too. No, thank you for coming on. And we'll see you guys next She's week. She's our sister too. We love her. <laughs> <laughs>